High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. How's everybody doing tonight? Y'all doing good? All right, I said, how y'all doing tonight? Y'all doing good? All right, good deal. Uh, It's kind of funny, uh, I was talking to Pastor Garrett before service uh, tonight about what a, uh, man, y'all made a mess up here, leaders, we'll get y'all vacuum later, uh, about what a significant, uh, how significant just this building um, and this room is to me and to my life. Um, I was, uh, and the, the heritage and the legacy and history of this room, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you all a, a real brief uh, rundown. Uh The building you see over there on Sunday mornings was not always the main sanctuary. This was the main sanctuary of the church from like 1997 until 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. Um, This was the main building. So first time I ever preached was on this stage. First time I ever played an instrument in worship was in this room on this stage. First time I led worship was in this room on this stage. I met my wife in this room. We got married in this room. Two of my, I know, isn't that sweet? Uh, Two of my closest friends that I still talk to every single day I met in this room. This room is incredibly significant to me, uh, and it's always cool to be able to minister in this room. I led youth ministry for many years in this room. Um, so this room's always really cool to me, and it's really cool to be able to um, uh, have the opportunity to minister in here and talk to you guys for a little bit, um, but also just cool because I know people who sat in those chairs 10 years ago uh, and what they're doing now for the Lord and for the kingdom, and I expect that there's people in this room that 10 years from now, uh, I'm going to be able to look back fondly and remember the days whenever I saw y'all in here and look at what you're doing now. Uh, so I'm telling you, there is a, uh, there is uh, not to get weird, but there is a legacy and a history to this room that isn't insignificant. Uh, and being in here, <clears throat> being in this room means something. Uh, and there's been a lot of prayers. As a matter of fact, many, 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 many years ago, before we even built, or maybe it was right after we built the new building, I'll get to my message in a minute. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna meander a little bit tonight. Um, uh, many, many, many year, years ago, uh, there's a, a an older gentleman. He's older now. He's older then. Uh, by the name of of uh, Leon Walters, Dr. Leon Walters, and Dr. Leon uh, ministered and he gave a word and and he said, "I see in this room. We were in this room. He goes, I see this room, and this room is just like packed, completely slammed." Uh, with young people that are just on fire for the Lord and going after God. And listen, I believe that what we are seeing and beginning to see now uh, is the beginning of the fulfillment of that vision, that dream, uh, that uh, uh, that word that God gave Dr. Leon. And y'all are a part of it, so that's really awesome. It's a great time to be here, a great time to be a part of high praise, a great time to be a part of what God is doing. If you will, grab your Bible, go to Joshua 3. If you have a Bible, I don't ever really carry one with me anymore because I have a phone and a tablet. Uh, you can grab your phone, grab your tablet, grab your Bible, grab whatever you have, go to Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to kind of be picking up where Pastor Garrett's been talking about on wilderness, and I have something I want to share with you guys tonight on uh, crossing over and leaving the wilderness and beginning to enter into Canaan. I'll tell you what that means 
in just a minute. How many of you, by a show of hands real quick, how many of you are kind of familiar with the account of the children of Israel, the Hebrews, and uh, the wilderness, and entering into Canaan, and the conquest of Canaan? Bless God. How many of, y'all fam- how many of you, show of hands, how many of y'all are kind of somewhat familiar with that? How many of you are not familiar with it at all? Okay, cool. All right, I will fill y'all in as we go. I know y'all been talking about, I think, what did you talk about the first week, Pastor Garrett, about leaving Egypt? Crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Red Sea. And last week y'all talked about Sinai. We're going to skip forward a little bit uh, for the sake of time. But I want to bring you to this moment. Um, as a matter of fact, before I reread it, let me give you a little bit of background. So, past couple of weeks, Pastor Garrett's been talking to you about what the children of Israel went through, right? So they were in slavery in Egypt, right? Y'all remember that? God raises up a deliverer, right? What was his name? Moses, God raises up Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says what? Let my people go. You know the story. I'm going to really abbreviate it here. Pharaoh refuses. He's hard-hearted. God hardens his heart. God sends the plagues of Egypt. They eventually let them go. They come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind. He pursues them to the Red Sea. God does a miracle at the Red Sea, and he does what? Parts the Red Sea. They walk across onto dry ground whenever they get uh, whenever they get through uh the, uh, uh, the Egyptians begin to pursue them. The rudders collapse on them, and their enemy is destroyed and defeated. God, of course, brings them into the wilderness. They go to Sinai. God gives Moses what? Ten Commandments. While he's up doing that, what are they doing? Building the golden calf. Jamie's on it over here. All right, Jamie. Building the golden calf. Comes down. Y'all know the whole story. Here's what ends up happening, right? God is always moving for the children of Israel in spite of their unbelief, in spite of their doubt, in spite of all their issues, God's moving miraculously in them and for their lives. But they do this one thing that causes them great problems, and they continually complain. They continually complain. You know, God doesn't really, uh, uh, God doesn't like people who complain. Let me say, put it this way. Complaining is often the language of unbelief. You show me people who are complaining all the time, and I'll show you people who don't really have any belief in their life. Because complaining about the situations that you're facing oftentimes reveals that you're not really trusting God to bring you through the situation and what you're facing in a moment in time. So they operate in unbelief. I'm really abbreviating and simplifying this for you. But what ends up happening is God becomes so fed up with them, and he says, listen, of course, what, what the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is... Moses sends 12 spies to go into the land of Canaan, right? Which is the land that God promised them. God said, I have given it to you. This is already yours. This is your destiny. This is your purpose. This is what I've given into your hand. And Moses sends out 12 spies, and of the 12, only two come back with a good report, and 10 come back with a negative report and basically say, we're not able to, even though God had already said they were able. One of the biggest insults you can give to God is say that you're not able to do something that he's already told you you're capable of doing. Y'all with me? So don't ever think of yourself, let me put it this way, um, humility doesn't mean that you have a small view of yourself. Humility means that you are, you are not boasting in yourself, but you are boasting in, and you are confident in what God has made you and what he has called you to be. But it's not because of your power, your might. It's because of what he is doing in you and through you. It's an anointing on you. It's a calling on you that you can take strength in and you don't have to back down and apologize from what God has called you to do and the callings and the anointings in your life. Are you all with me? Right? You can be confident in what God has called you to do. 
Even whenever you're 14, 15, 16, 13, 12, you can be confident in what God has called you to do. You don't have to wait until you're 30 to become confident in who God's called you to be. You don't have to wait until you're 18 to do something for God. You don't have to wait till you're 20 to do something for God. You don't have to wait till you're 16 and get your driver's license to do something for God. You can already begin to do things for God right now in your age, in your sphere, and where you're at. You're not waiting for anything. God has already given you everything that you need to cause an impact where he's called you to cause an impact. Y'all with me? Y'all sure you're with me? All right. So that generation ends up where they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, God says, y'all can't go in and take the promise that I said was yours. Instead, your kids are going to have to go take it. The only ones who are going to be able to see it is Joshua and Caleb, okay? The two that came back with a good report, they can take it. But the rest of y'all, y'all aren't going to see it. Y'all are going to die in the wilderness. One of, If there's one thing that causes me distress at times, and I, I don't want to, I'm not saying I don't live in fear. But if there's one thing that I'm constantly checking myself about, it is making sure that I'm not in a place where God has to look at me and says, what I've called you to do, I'm going to have to have somebody else do it because you were unwilling to run the race. There are a lot of people who are called but never do and never fulfill purpose because they have a list of excuses of why they can't. And one thing I want to encourage, this isn't my message, but one thing I want to encourage you to do tonight is burn your excuse. Burn your excuse of why you can't. Burn your excuse of why you won't. Let's just be real. It's not that you can't. Oftentimes, it's not that we can't. It's that we won't. And there's a difference between can't and won't, right? Burn your excuse for why you won't do what God's called you to do. Burn your excuse for why you won't go all the way in. Burn your excuse for why you keep making excuses, right? And go all the way in and be who God's called you to be. So, God raises up a new generation. That brings us to Joshua chapter 3. Y'all read with me real quick. Joshua 3 verse 1 says this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall, shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. Get this, for you have not passed this way before. For you have not passed this way before. So once again, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They've seen grandparents and parents die. They've watched everybody who was an authority in their life, since Joshua and Caleb, at some point, die. They've been through a really, really bad season. However, you cannot allow a bad season or a bad moment or a bad time become an excuse for you to continue to stay in the wilderness. Now listen, there is, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but the wilderness isn't a villain. Okay. Sometimes in church culture, we talk about wilderness, the wilderness like the wilderness is this evil place. But who brought them to the wilderness? Who led them there? God led them to the wilderness. The wilderness was not evil. It's just that there was something greater beyond it that they were called to. It's not that the wilderness was bad and evil. The wilderness was something they had to go through. But it was supposed to take them somewhere, not be the place that they stopped. 
So there's an entire generation that dies in the wilderness, the place God took them to, even though it wasn't the final destination that he had for them. And I'm going to tell you in a minute what I believe, one of the things I believe God was intended to do in the wilderness. And I think we still go through this pattern today. I was talking to Pastor Garrett about this today, and things were kind of just hitting me as we were talking about it. But I think people still follow this pattern today, and we have people who still get stuck in the wilderness thinking the wilderness is the apex. And the wilderness is not the apex. Canaan, the promise, is the apex. Okay, The wilderness isn't bad, but you weren't called to stay in the wilderness forever. You're eventually called to leave the wilderness and go and possess territory God has for you. Possess promise. Y'all still with me? Okay. So they have this 40 years. They've raised in the wilderness. God brought them to the wilderness. And God intended to bring them through the wilderness. But he never intended to leave them there. Anybody ever felt like you've been in the wilderness before? Come on, honestly. Anybody ever felt like you've been in the wilderness before? So let me, let me just jump into this. Let me just jump into it. The wilderness wasn't this terrible, awful place. It was problematic, it was, but it was a place that God brought them to. So I want you to think of it this way. This is the way that I believe God intended, for, and this is a pattern that people still follow today. Egypt is unequivocally a place of bondage. Okay, if we're following the same pattern that the Hebrews followed, the Israelites followed, we know that Egypt was the place of bondage. It's where they were in slavery. Okay, so for us, because I'm gonna, I'll use some, I'll use a real theological kind of thought real quick. Um, Understand this, a, 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 a professor by the last name of Walton says this, and I love this. Uh, he says this, that the Bible was not written to you, but it was written for you, okay? So in other words, whenever there is, uh, and that's why in, in Ephesians it says that the Bible is living and active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, okay? Because even though there's, these are accounts of things that happened, they're not simply accounts of things that happened. It is not about you, Right? You're not the children of Israel. It was not written when Moses wrote this. He did not think about you. But it is for you. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean this. It is saying something to you today. It is still relatable to your life. And we see this pattern that's repeated. So Egypt is uh, a couple different things. It could be One, it could be a place of where you are before you know Christ. Right? Before you're saved, before you have relationship with the Lord, whenever you are in bondage to sin and death, that is Egypt personified. However, it can also be seasons where maybe you've gone through abuse. It can be seasons where you've gone through difficulty. It can be seasons where you've had sin cycles in your life that you've had difficulty breaking. Are you with me? It can be whenever you are in this thing where you just can't get freedom in your life, no matter how hard it may seem that you try, you struggle with these things, and you go through this pattern, okay? And we know that Canaan, which is step three, we know that Canaan is the promise. Canaan is what God promised. It's where he wants you to be. It's where promises. It's where your destiny is, okay? How many of we hear that word a lot, but I want you to be, to be clear. Everybody in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, if you're 11 or if you're 25, God has a plan for you. You are not an accident. You are not somebody who just happened to be here by some just happenstance. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a vision for your life. Y'all with me? You are not insignificant. 
Everyone in this room is significant. I don't care what you've gone through, what somebody's told you, what you may feel like whenever you wake up in the morning. I was a teenager one time ago, <laughs> a long time ago, but I remember what it was like being a teenager and trying to find your place. I remember it was being a young adult and trying to find your place in the world. And sometimes it feels like you can be insignificant, but I promise you, you are not insignificant. You are worth everything. You're not just worth something. You are worth everything. Y'all with me? And that's, that's one of the reasons we believe as a church so much in investing in you. Because we know there's purpose inside of you that you may not even understand yet, but there's purpose there. That there's callings in there that maybe you don't even know yet, but there's callings there, right? That there's something God has called you to do. But then that leaves us with this in-between, the wilderness, right? Leaves us with the wilderness. So what is the wilderness? Because it is more than just a place of going from bondage to freedom. It really is a place of reset, okay? It's a place of healing. It's a place of changing the way that you think because God wanted to use the wilderness to get Egypt out of the children of Israel because they could never possess Canaan as long as Egypt was still inside of them, right? They couldn't lay hold of the promise as long as they didn't think rightly about themselves. That's the entire problem that happened with the spies. You had 10 that came back. And y'all probably know this. I probably heard this story. A lot of you probably have. Maybe some of you haven't. But what happens is they go and they see giants in the land of Canaan. And they come back with this report. And there's this interesting statement that is made uh, by, it's, that's uh, accounted in, in the book of, of, of Genesis and what, it, uh, excuse me, the book of, uh, 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 of Exodus. And it actually says this. It says that we were like grasshoppers in our sight and so we were in theirs also. And I hear people quote that all the time and they say, we were like grasshoppers in the sights of the giants. And that's not what it says. It says we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in theirs. God had to change their own perspective of who they were before he could ever take them into the land. Y'all with me? So, am I good? Y'all, this isn't going over y'all's head, is it? Y'all with me? Y'all take advanced, I'll take all kinds of math that will go over my head now. So, y'all just roll, y'all roll with me tonight. So, there's this interesting thing that, that's happening where God is trying to get something out of Egypt is a place of bondage. The wilderness is a place of restoration, but Canaan was the place of promise fulfilled. I'm going to say that again. Egypt was a place of bondage. The wilderness was a place of restoration, but Canaan was the place of promise fulfilled. The purpose of the wilderness was to transition from Egypt to promise. They were never called to live there for 40 years. That wasn't what God wanted them to do. It wasn't the purpose. God brought them, and, and, and listen, God is so concerned about them in this season because when you're going through that season, God will be gentle with you. And God will show up very much as provider in your life to the point that God shows up as the world's first ever food delivery service for them every single day, right? Right? Every single day, whenever they wake up, there's manna for them. They don't have to go looking for food. They don't have to cook food. They don't have to hunt anything. They don't have to do anything. They wake up and food is at their doorstep. An entire generation is raised in a world in which every time they wake up, their food is on their doorstep, given to them by God, simply out of his mercy and grace. And so here's the thing. So here's the thing. One of the promises about, about that God gives to, uh, gives to 
uh, Abraham and his family, when he talks about Canaan, is he says he's going to bring them into a land that flows with milk and honey. Okay? That's what he promises them. So in the wilderness, they are given manna every day. But they're promised milk and honey. But whenever they get to the place of milk and honey, to the promise, it means that the manna is going to cease. Are y'all with me? It means you're not with me. It means whenever God, whenever they go from the wilderness, okay, they're in the wilderness, and every day in the wilderness they're given manna, okay? But whenever they cross over and they leave the wilderness, which we just read about, going crossing over the Jordan, God isn't going to stop the manna delivery, and they're going to have to get their own food. You with me now? Perfect. All right. They're going to have to get their own food, and that's promised from the land that flows with milk and honey, which means this, milk, they didn't go to a store and buy it. It meant that in Canaan, there were cows that they would have to milk. And there was not a honey stand that they could go buy honey from. It meant that what they were going to have to do was go rob beehives. And bees sting. Y'all with me? So here's the thing. And here's what I want to get at. A lot of times, we make the apex of our walk being in the wilderness and receiving from the Lord. But that wasn't the apex the apex was God saying, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. The Bible even says that whenever they were in the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out. Right? They wore the same clothes for 40 years, and their clothes didn't wear out. Right? I don't, he supernaturally washed and dried them too. I don't know. I don't understand. But God basically did everything for them in the wilderness. And he said, once you leave here, now you're going to have to actually work. Now, instead of me feeding you all the time, your, your, your provision, obviously it's because God blesses them, so don't misunderstand me. It's not the work of their own hand. God brought them to this place. But now you're going to have to actually do something. So we have made the apex of the Christian experience, right? We have made the apex... We have made the pinnacle, the top of the mountain of our experience with God, what we can get. But what it really is, is God using, and, and he takes this season of pouring into you to prepare you to do something. To prepare you for action. To get you out of a lazy cycle and into a cycle of doing things. Because they went from manna, and they went from clothes not wearing out, and they went from just kind of chilling out every day, to suddenly now what it's going to be is we're going to have to go kill giants. We're going to have to rob beehives. We're going to have to milk cows. We're going to have to find new clothes. And all of a sudden, the promise, and listen, a lot of people miss out on the promise because it looks less rewarding than the wilderness. A lot of people miss out on the promise because it looks less rewarding than the wilderness because the promise calls more from you than the wilderness does. The promise calls you to do something. The promise calls you to actually activate what God's put inside of you and not just allow him to continue delivering things to you and making everything about you for all the rest of the days of your life. We see the same thing happen. We see the exact same thing happen uh, um, with, with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You all know that story, Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus goes up to the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. 
John. He's transfigured. He, he is shown in all his glory. He's with the law and the prophets. He has Moses on one side. He has Elijah on the other side. He really, I don't have time to get down this road, but he really has the Jew and the Gentile with him as well. He has all of this expression of just this incredible glory of who he is. And the disciples go, Jesus, we're just going to stay here and worship you forever. Right, we're going to build, we're going to, this has been so incredible for us. And this has been so amazing for us that what we're going to do, we're going to build a temple here. We will worship here. Forget everybody else. This is about me. And what I can receive and what I need and what I can get. And Jesus goes, y'all don't even know what you're talking about because there's people who need this. And they go down the mountaintop, and immediately they meet a, a man who has a son who often falls in the fire in the water. And this is, very, this is very important in this narrative because what Jesus is really showing us, what we're really seeing through the account, is if you stay on the mountaintop, there are people who are hurting who will miss out on what God's put inside of you. Right? So listen, you weren't ever intended to just live in some euphoric experience where you feel the presence of God and you feel good and you get this sort of euphoric feeling in his presence. That was always intended to activate you to go do what God has already called you to do and put inside of you to do. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? All right. So listen, listen, listen. You can't allow the wilderness to become the apex. You can't allow it. Not only that, let me say this. Also, the, the, another thing interesting about the wilderness Another interesting thing about the wilderness is, is basically everything that God does in the wilderness is instituted whenever they're kids, whenever they're young, right? And their parents have told them about the great miracle working power of God. And they've even seen it to an extent, but they haven't really experienced that in a new way. And they really won't until they enter into Canaan. And then they start seeing him through a new lens showing up for them in new and fresh ways. Let me say it this way to you, for any of you who are, for, for you guys, all of y'all in this room really, especially though if you're still in middle or high school, this goes especially for you. Part of leaving the wilderness means this, that you're not living on a previous generation's encounter. It means you're not living off, mom and dad had a relationship with God, so I have a relationship with God. Mom and dad come, went to church, so I go to church. You have to, if you're going to leave the wilderness, it means you're going to encounter God for yourself. Because here's the thing, you can't, I, 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 listen, I, I grew up in and around ministry, okay? My grandfather, who's still, who's in this church to this day, my grandfather was for years in eldership and deacons and in church since my dad was a little kid. My dad obviously has been in ministry my entire life. I've been in ministry my entire adult life. I've been around, I've seen it, I've done it, I've, I've, Got the T-shirt, the coffee mug, the flyer, got all of it. I've done it all, basically. I'm not trying to say that to beat on my chest or anything. I've just been and seen a lot, okay? And I've known this from growing up around ministry. Everyone that I know who tried to live off of their parents' encounter did not continue to serve God, period. They didn't continue to serve God. If you don't know God for yourself, you don't know God. If you don't have a relationship with God for yourself, if you, haven't, if you haven't met him and encountered him, you don't know God. Because you can't know somebody based off of their, let me put it this way. If, if, if somebody tells you about somebody, you may know them to an extent. But the only way that you really know somebody is to meet them for yourself. Develop a relationship with them for yourself. You weren't called to have a relationship with God through somebody else. You were called to have a relationship with God personally. And part of leaving the wilderness means this. You begin to know God for you. Y'all with me? You begin to know him personally. You have those encounters with him, which, by the way, is going to require you doing something. 
You weren't called to live in the wilderness. That's not the apex. The apex is not a feeling. We don't chase after feelings and emotions. Nothing wrong with emotions. I, 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 I love emotional moments, right? I'm more than once, I've preached and cried. I've worshipped and cried. I'm not, I'm not downing any of that. I'm simply saying that's not what I live for. I live for the purpose that I know he's called me to, whether I feel it or not. We're, I mean, myself, Pastor Garrett, we're here a lot. <laughs> and there are days where we wake up and we don't feel it. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There are times that we come into services and we don't feel it. But we don't walk by faith. Excuse me, we don't walk by sight. We do walk by faith. We walk by faith. Let me say it right. We walk by faith, not by sight. Y'all with me? Y'all are going to get me on me for heresy later for a misspeak. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by what we feel. We walk by what we know. And what I know is so much greater than what I feel. What I know is so much greater. What he said is so much greater than what I feel. I, I want to really quickly, really quickly give you, okay, I want to really quickly uh, give you uh, just a few steps that I believe are significant. And we actually see them here in, in Joshua uh, chapter 3. A few significant steps for crossing over from the wilderness into Mars, for crossing the Jordan, okay? Crossing that, there is that dividing line. And I believe a lot of you in this room, and I especially want you guys that are older to hear me tonight, especially you guys who are upperclassmen, you guys who are in college, y'all really need to hear this, okay? You really, really need to hear this because you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble if you grab hold of this now. It is not the time to take your walk with the Lord lightly at this stage of life. This is a pivotal moment in your life. And it will do, it's, it's shocking how much these, these next few years are going to determine so much about your future. Okay? So these are pivotal moments where you need to get serious. And I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying anything like that. Don't misunderstand me. But I am saying that you have to really begin to prioritize the things of God. You have to begin to prioritize your relationship with Him. You have to begin to take steps of, listen, I'm just going to, I'm going to shoot straight. Y'all aren't little kids anymore. And it's time for you to start establishing habits and patterns that you can walk in into adulthood that are going to bolster your relationship with the Lord and your connection and community. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right. So really quick, I want to give you these. First one is this. We see it here in Joshua 3. Follow his presence. Joshua tells him when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark contained the Ten Commandments. It housed the glory of God. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. The first thing is this. If you are going to leave the wilderness and enter the promise, and this seems so simple, and it is so simple, yet so many people miss it, and that is this. You have to follow his presence. No matter what it costs you, you have to follow his presence. And by the way, following his presence is costly. It will cost you something. I don't mean it's going to cost you something monetarily. Following his presence is free. It doesn't cost you money. You don't have to cash app God to follow his presence. But what you do have to, what it will cost you sometimes, is sometimes it will cost you friendships. Sometimes it can cost you relationships. Sometimes it can cost, it will, it will definitely cost you comfortability. 
it will stretch you to places where you don't feel like you're capable. As a matter of fact, most of the time, if you feel like you're capable in something, it means you're really not leaning on his strength. If you feel like you can accomplish what God's called you to do in your own strength, then it's really probably God's called you to something bigger than what you're thinking. Because you can't accomplish what God's called you to do in your own strength. Right? It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the Spirit. I'll give you just a personal example of that. Uh, growing up, especially when I was really younger, I was an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly shy kid. I didn't want people to look at me. Like I never wanted to be the center of attention. I remember my brother getting, my, I'm, I'm seven years older than, than my, my youngest brother. Uh, he's my only brother, my younger brother, uh, the youngest of the three, put it that way. My youngest sibling, uh, Pastor Mike, who pastors over in Crestview, uh, Mike was being dedicated in a church. I was seven years old, and our whole family had to go to the front, and I cried because I did not want to go up to the front of the church during the dedication because I didn't want people looking at me. I remember another time whenever, whenever um, we were traveling, Dad was ministering somewhere on the road. It happened to be my, happened to be my birthday. I was with him, um, and uh, we, our, whole, our whole family was there. I also had an incredible stutter whenever I was young. It was hard for me to talk without stuttering real heavily. Never had speech therapy or anything. It just kind of got over it. But And... Uh, the so it was my birthday. We're at a, a restaurant, and uh, Dad tells the waiter or the waitress, you know, whoever it was, says, "Hey, it's our son's birthday today." And you get that classic restaurant thing, and from across the room, all of a sudden, I hear, "Yo, what I'm talking about?" The chorus of claps headed our way, and they're coming to our table to sing me happy birthday. And I am so mortified, and I'm probably, once again, eight or nine years old. I am so terrified, so embarrassed by the situation that I do the thing that every logical person does, and I crawled all the way underneath the table because I did not want anyone to look at me. I didn't want anyone to look at me. Didn't want any of that. So what does the Lord do? He says, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to call him to stand on platforms every week, and people stare at him while he speaks publicly. Because it's not about what I can do, and it's not about my ability, and it's not about my comfortability. It's about what God has called you to do. Following him and following purpose will always cost you comfort. In some way, it will cost you comfort. Y'all with me? So you have to go after his presence. You have to do it. And you have to make, once again, I want to stress, especially for you guys who are older in here. Listen, whenever I was y'all's age, it's whenever I was starting to make the choice for myself Whenever I was 15, 16 years old, I wasn't making the decision to be Joshua, the pastor's son, anymore. I was making the choice to be Joshua, a son of the Most High, and somebody who was going to seek him with everything inside of me. That's when I started making that choice. I mean, there's a certain point that you're just at church because it's what you do and it's part of your culture and you were raised going to church. But at a certain point, you have to make the decision for yourself. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is the way that I'm going to live my life. I, even if I don't feel it, I'm still going to do it anyways. And by the way, once again, there will be times you do not feel it. And guess what you do? You make the decision to do what's right and to do what you know you're called to do and be who you really are even when you don't feel like that person anymore. As a matter of fact, when you don't feel it, most of the time it's all the more time that you need to go. 
It's really interesting. In the wilderness, they didn't have to fight any giants. In the wilderness, they didn't have to fight any enemies. In the wilderness, they just received from the Lord. Because as long as you just live from a standpoint of you just want to receive and you don't want to give and you don't want to step into purpose, the enemy will be more than happy just to kind of let you be. You're not a threat if you're only focused on you. You become a threat whenever you go, this isn't about me. We have made, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a moment, but we have made, especially in, in American uh, uh, contemporary Protestant evangelical Christianity, we have made everything so much about me, right? Everything is, everything is self-focused. Everything is about me. What can God do for me? What can God do in my life? What can God do? How can I be blessed? What can I receive from church today? Well, I don't really like that song. Well, that style really doesn't do it for me. Well, I'm really having a bad day. Well, I'm really going through some things. Well, I don't really want to do that. And what is the operative word in all of this? I. And God didn't Hear the way I say this. God is concerned not just about you, but he is concerned about the whole. Are y'all with me? You're part of the whole, so I'm not saying God is not concerned about you. But I'm, I'm Pastor Garrett and I were talking about this, and I can't go down this road too deep. We were talking about this a little bit today, about how the New Testament, especially the New Testament church, is so much more focused of we over me. It is very much we over me. So guess what, guys? There are days where I wake up and I go, I don't really want to go to church today. The pastor of the church, some days you wake up, I promise you, there have been Wednesday nights where Pastor Garrett at 3 o'clock went, man, I really wish we didn't, I didn't have to get up and speak in youth tonight. I promise you that's happened. You know how I know? Because I was a youth pastor. Because I still preach. And not every day you just wake up and go, man, I'm just fired up to preach. Some days you are. But there are other times where you don't feel it at all. But you know what? We do it anyways because God's given you something that's going to minister to somebody else, and it's not about you. Get over self-centeredness and realize you've got to go after God. You've got to go after call. You have to go after purpose. And that's so much bigger than just you. It's so much bigger than just you. Follow his presence. Follow the flow of his presence. Be sensitive to the Lord and his voice. And if there is a time where we need to be dedicated to going after him, it is today like never before. His presence will always lead you into promise. I want you to really hear that. His presence will always lead you into promise, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it, even when it hurts. Because God doesn't always just call you to do things that make you feel good. God doesn't just always call you to do things that you like. Oftentimes, the... Some of the most significant moments of my life, the choice that I've had to make, have been the things that hurt the most. But on the other side, it brought the most blessing. I'll give you, I'll give you a, real, a, a real story. Um, from 2015 until 2022, from May of 2015 up until March of 2022, we lived in Orlando, Florida. Had a beautiful home up in northwest Orlando. I had 429, one stoplight from my house. Some of y'all don't know what that means. That's one of the roads that takes you to Disney World. Okay? One stoplight from my house. I could get on 429, and I could drive through the gates of Disney in 20 minutes. I could be to Universal in 25 minutes. I could be to Amway Center, where the magic play, in 25 to 30 minutes. Basically, in Orlando, you can be anywhere you want to be in 20 to 30 minutes. That's just the way it's constructed. 
unless it's five o'clock, and then it's going to take you three hours to go anywhere. I lived in Orlando. We had a church in Orlando. We loved Orlando. We had Disney tickets. At one point, we had Universal tickets. We went to go see Magic Games. I saw Hamilton in Orlando. That's right, in person. It was great. It was wonderful. Like, we loved living there. Of course, I was born and raised here, so was my wife. I told you we met here. We were on a cruise with some friends of ours on a vacation on on this cruise, and and I was talking to another friend who's in ministry, and uh, he had just moved kind of from a church he was at back to his hometown and a a ministry there that some of you may be familiar with, and his mother-in-law leads the ministry, and we were talking, and I said, you know, do you think that one day you'll end up just kind of taking the ministry from her, and we talked about that, and he said, I mean, one day, he told me, he goes, one day you'll probably end up back in, in PC, and you'll probably take over for your dad, right? And I said, well, that's not really in the cards right now. It's not something we're really talking about. It's not really on our radar at all. We're happy. We're content exactly where we are. And my wife, I don't know, she's still in here? Baby's still in here? There she is back there. My wife said, I am not under any situation (laughs) moving back to Panama City. Is that the truth, babe? She's nodding her head. She said yes. And, uh, by that evening, I had received a phone call, and we started having a conversation with my dad about the church and about what was going on and what he was sensing and what he was feeling and what direction he was kind of leading in, and him and my mom, and, and we're talking, and I've got him on speakerphone in our cabin, and I look at Miranda, and she looks at me, and we both just know. After this conversation we've had about four hours previous that this is not on our radar at all, we both look at each other and we're just like, this is what God's telling us to do, isn't it? You ever, for those of you who are married in here, y'all know what I'm talking about, where you can, or maybe you have a sibling and you kind of have the same thing. You can look at each other and know what the other one's thinking without even having to say a word. And neither one of us wanted to even say the word because we didn't want to say it out loud. So, by the, literally by the, the uh, we had lunch the next day with that guy I was talking about. Maybe dinner that night, lunch the next day, I don't know with my friend uh, Casey and Casey goes I told Casey Doss I said Doss I said we're I talked to dad and I think we're I think we're moving back to PC I think we're going to basically start transitioning and, and making that happen and he started slamming his hand on the table and you have to know Casey he's from backwoods nowhere Alabama and has one of the thickest Alabamian accents you've ever heard in your life and Casey starts slamming his hand on the table like this he goes the U-Haul up. <laughs> Excitedly. And I'm like, Casey, calm down. Like, we're in a nice restaurant and you're slamming and yelling like a hillbilly in this place. Even through that whole, pro- here's where I'm going with this. Through that whole process, we knew we were doing exactly what God told us to do. We never doubted for a moment if we heard from God or if we were doing what God told us to do, we were following his presence and it was simultaneously the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Over the course of those couple months, there were a lot, or that really month process from when we made that decision until we ended up here, there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of difficult conversations. There was a lot of times where I'm going, what is wrong with me? But I'm following what God told me to do. Following his presence. And listen, 
A year later, I wouldn't change anything. I know we've done it. I still know we're doing exactly what God told us to do, and we're at exactly the right place in exactly the right time in his perfect will. And guess what? There, I'm going to let you all in on a secret. Y'all don't tell anybody else. There's still days where it can be hard. There's still days where, man, it was, it was a few nights ago, it was a few nights ago, and we were just kind of sitting in the house, and I thought, It'd be really nice to go hop in the car and go to Epcot right now. It was only 20 minutes away, and we could go drive down at 6 o'clock and walk around for three hours, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And right now, I have nowhere really to go. I can go drive around Tyndall Parkway. <laughs> it's not quite the same. But you know what? The cost is worth it. You know what? The call is worth it. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it stretches you, even whenever it's not the thing that you thought or you desired or you set out to do, following his presence is always worth it. I got to go much faster. Second thing is this. You got to get ready for something new. I'm going to let you all in on a real deep revelation alert here. You will never do what you haven't done before without doing something you haven't done before. You will never do what you haven't done before without doing something that you haven't done before. I know there's a double negative there. Let me simplify it. In order to do something new, you will have to do something new. Right? Y'all with me? In order to do something new, you have to do something new. If you want to get stronger, you have to lift like you haven't lifted before. Right, Pat? Right. If you want to get better at something, you might have to... Do so, if you're in sports and you want to get better, you might have to practice like you've never practiced before. If you're a musician and you want to become a better musician, you might have to practice in some ways you haven't practiced before. As long as you keep doing what you've always done, you will always stay in the status quo. You will stay in the wilderness as long as you keep things like they've always been. In order to go somewhere new, you've got to do something different. You have to stretch yourself. And by the way, stretching is, can be uncomfortable if you haven't stretched before. In order to get yourself stronger, it can be uncomfortable. So what does that mean? It means that, guess what? You might have to actually read your Bible more. And that might be uncomfortable for you. You'll get over it. It means you might have to pray for the first time by yourself. Or just pray more. And guess what? If you've never done that, that can be really uncomfortable. If you've only prayed a little bedtime prayer like the little kids pray, and then you actually sit down to really like pray over your life and what God's doing, you're going to feel like an idiot. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. You're going to feel weird. You're going to feel uncomfortable. And it's not going to be something that the Holy Ghost just shows up and blows in and you just fall out and cry under the power of God. You're going to try to be figuring out what you're doing, and you have no idea, but you're going to figure it out as you are just faithful. Listen, and here's the reason I'm telling you that, because I don't want to paint some fairy tale picture for you, because that's what we've done for people for so long, is we've painted some fairy tale picture of like, you're going to pray, and the Spirit of God's going to descend, and the Holy Spirit's going to come down like a dove, and angels are going to sing all around you. And most of the time, it's not like that at all. Most of the time, it's just a decision you make to be faithful, and you don't feel anything. Sometimes you might. But you don't do it because you feel. You do it because it's what's right. You do it because it's strengthening you. You do it because you're going to get somewhere you haven't been before in the Lord. Maybe you need to believe for more. Maybe you have to push yourself and worship more. Maybe you have to commit more to serve than you ever have served before. Y'all with me? 
Get off the hamster wheel of doing what you've always done and get ready for God to show up mightily. Lastly, and then I'm going to be done. I promise. Last thing is this. Be prepared and sanctify yourself. Joshua tells him in Joshua 3, 5, sanctify yourselves. That word sanctify, just, it literally just means to prepare. It just means prepare. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Part of being prepared means getting rid of baggage that will keep you where you're at. Once again, for some of you, that may be something that is very carnal, right? It can be a relationship. It can be a relationship. that you, It can be a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship you're in that's going to keep you where you're at because you're with somebody you don't need to be with because they're not running at the pace that you're running at or the pace that you're called to run at. I heard a minister say this once, and I thought it was so true. He said, "If and this is once again this for you older kids and young adults, if you want to know, if you want to find a spouse, if you want to find somebody to marry, you run after the Lord, you go after God, you look and you see who's running beside you. There you go. Find one you like. That's obviously a very major oversimplification to an extent. But if you can't get that right, you're not going to get I don't. I don't care how cute they are. I don't care how good they look. If you're serving God and they aren't, it's going to be a problem at some point. And don't think, well, once we get married, it's going to change everything. It is going to change everything, but in the wrong way. It'll change it in the wrong way. I've seen it a thousand times. Not literally, but it feels like it. Okay? You go after the Lord, you go after God, and you look and you see who's there with you. Sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself. Maybe you got to get rid of the relationship. Maybe you got to get rid of some phone numbers. Maybe you got to put down the vape. I'm going to get in y'all's business a little bit. Is that all right? Maybe it means you need to put down the, some of the websites that you've been visiting and going to. Maybe it means some of your text communications need to change. Hmm? Mind y'all's business enough? Y'all be all right. Because here's the thing. God can never do a new thing in your life while you're still looking at the old thing. God can never do a new thing in your life while you're still looking at the old thing. You've got to push forward. Lot's wife looked back and it brought destruction in her life. Y'all, Some of y'all don't know that story. God delivered... Uh, God delivered Lot and his wife out of Sodom and Gomorrah as it's being destroyed. As they're leaving, Lot's wife looks back. And it's not like she just looked back and glanced over her shoulder. The word literally means that she looked back with longing. Right? She looked, even while God was destroying something, she looked back and said, I'd rather be in the destruction in the middle of what made me feel good than being delivered out of it. And she turned into a pillar of salt and she died. Right? Looking back, hear this, when God's trying to bring you out of something and you're trying to look back at it, it can be devastating to your life and to your future. Don't look back at yesterday. Sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself. Get rid of the baggage of the previous season so God can take you where he wants to take you. Some of you, it's something that's, that it can be things that are, are more, uh, that aren't as, as, as noticeable to everybody. Maybe you need to deal with unforgiveness in your life. Maybe you're harboring bitterness at somebody at a parent, at a pastor, at whoever it might be, a teacher, a friend, bitterness will keep you out of the promise. you got to deal with your hurt. A lot of people don't do anything because they stay hurt. And as long as you're hurt, you won't see things rightly. And if you can't see things rightly, you won't see what God wants to do in you and through you. Deal with your issue. Deal with your hurt. And then ultimately, come on, TK, be, pre be prepared for God to do something fresh and new in your life. Because I'm telling you, as you embrace this, you're going to cross over from one season to a new season.
You're going to cross over from defeat into victory. You're going to cross over from the wilderness into Canaan because God didn't call you to live in the wilderness forever. He called you to be restored there. He'll minister to you in the wilderness so then you can go and do what he's called you to do, which ultimately ends with you ministering to other people. That's where it ends, with you being a blessing to somebody else. Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet tonight. Stand up to your feet. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord with me. I just want you to lift your hands to God with me. I'm just going to pray for all of you tonight, corporately, and then we may do something else. But I just want you to just receive this tonight. Father God, we thank you this evening. We want to thank you this evening, Lord, for this group of young people, of students, of college kids, Father God, of young adults. Father, we decree and declare, Lord, that they are not going to live wandering in the wilderness forever, but you have a promise for them. You have somewhere to take them, to exit off of the hamster wheel and the, the repetition that they've been in and where they've been stuck. Some of you in here tonight, you felt stuck. God wants to take you and make you unstuck and begin to cause you to move forward into the promise in this season. You're not going to continue in the season you've been in of disappointment, of hurt, of difficulty, of striving, but you're going to come into the fullness of what he has for you. Here's what I want to do. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, you know what? I hear you talking tonight. Hey, PJ. And I just, that's me. I've been in the wilderness. I've been living there, but I'm ready to come out of there. And I'm ready to step into the promise. I'm going to come out of the place of hurt. I'm going to come out of the place of instability. I'm sanctifying myself. I'm preparing myself tonight. Maybe I've been guarded about things because of previous hurts and I haven't opened up all the way. Maybe I haven't pushed in and entered in like I need to enter in to relationship, to whatever it might be because of things that have gone on. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of the wilderness and I'm going to begin to push into promise. If that's you and you're here tonight, I don't care if you're a student. I don't care if you're a leader. I don't care who you are. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand where you're at. Anybody here say, I'm coming off of the, the hamster wheel. Here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to take one more step. I want you to come to the front. I want some of the leaders. I want you all to come pray with these guys up here tonight. Come on, y'all come up to the front. Listen, if you're, if you're not coming up here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stretch your hands to these guys up here. Listen, it takes some guts to do this kind of stuff, guys, surrounded by your peers. But listen, I believe whenever you take that step, God meets you at your point of faith. And tonight's the night to exit the wilderness and begin to enter into the promise. Father, we thank you tonight for each and every one of these young people. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for the destiny, for the purpose that you have for each and every one of them. We thank you, Father God, that any place where there's been wounding, any place where there's been hurt, any place where there's been difficulty, we speak to them tonight healing. We speak to them tonight restoration. We speak to them tonight the courage to stand in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, of, uh, of tough situations. Lord, to make those hard stands when nobody else will, to cut off the things that need to be cut off, to push into the things that need to be pushed into. We thank you for it tonight, Lord. We thank you. You're moving in every heart, in every life. Listen, whatever your excuse has been, I want you to leave it at this altar tonight. I don't want you to walk out of this place with a singular excuse. There's some of you that are still out there that you just 
Yeah, you, you're, you're fighting the urge to lay it down. I'm telling you, you got to lay it down tonight. This is a moment where you need to lay it all down because where we're going and where we're heading as a group, as a church, as YTH, you got to get rid of your baggage and you got to go all in. It's time to go all chips in. I'm all in, baby. I ain't got anything else that I'm holding on to. I'm putting it all on the table because, God, you have a purpose and a plan, and I refuse to be left behind. I refuse to not be a part of it, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands all over the room. Come on, just receive. His presence is here. His presence is here. It's moving in this place tonight. Father, we lay it at the altar. We lay it at your feet. We say, have your way. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless.